the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people just like you. Find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we continue in a series called Better Together and it is all about community. So are you connected with others in your neighborhood? Are you looking for a real friend when you need one? Pastor Sean's message will encourage you to trust God to begin and build authentic community. Because that's what he created us for. Reachingforreallife.org has his full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. If you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do. It's a place to give at reachingforreallife.org. Today is part one of the message called Living in Community. Pastor Sean will teach from Luke 6 and John 15. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio. Well, we're in this series called Better Together, and we started out with this idea we're not meant to be alone. Friendships make us better. We talked about key people in our lives who encourage us in the things God's created us for, who make us, help us become more of what God created us to be. We really talked about the power of a safe person or safe people, a few people. This week, I'd like to explore the importance of a safe place, a safe place. That safe place is called community, community. I think it's something community uh, the, that group of people that we belong to, that we, that we know and we are known, there's something that all of us want in this context of community. We all crave that. And I don't care how you're wired. You might be an introvert and need alone time to recharge. Or you, may, you might be an extrovert who's never met a stranger. You might be really socially adept and skillful, or you might consider yourself socially awkward. Doesn't matter. Something in your soul longs for meaningful relationship with other people people. God made us that way. We long to know others and to be known by them. We treasure friendships that allow us to truly be ourselves. And I want to say, though, some of us have maybe never found this sort of community. And there are others who have been deeply wounded by relationships. We still all long for deep, authentic, real community. Now, where does this longing come from? And I want to just kind of start with a basic premise here. You guys might have to help me out on this. No, no, no. Good, I turned it on. You got to turn these on. The mental note. All right, mental note. I got it. I got it. We're all back. We're all back. Here's what I want you to, here's, here's our, our foundational idea. God created us for community. He created us for community. One of the oldest and most cherished doctrines of historic Christian theology is the doctrine of the Trinity. That word actually isn't in the Bible, but that idea is all over. This idea of God manifests himself, one God who in a totally unique and kind of sometimes hard to put together, hard to grasp understanding, reveals himself in three unique persons. The Trinity. The Nicene Creed, which is one of the Christian creeds that help help articulate Christian theology and help take the scriptures and say, here's the big things that we all believed around A.D. 325. It summarizes the Trinity this way. Here's what it says. It says, I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth and of all things visible and invisible. 
And in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all worlds, God of God, light of lights, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father. And then of the Spirit it says, and I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified. What's fascinating is that this idea of the Trinity, God himself is in community. In fact, let me say it even better, more accurately, God is community. One God, three persons. And before anything existed, all the worlds, there was God dwelling in perfect, loving harmony in this threefold being. And then in Genesis 1.26, this triune God says, let us make man in our image. That's why we long for community. That's why our longing seems so deep and sometimes even primal, hard to get a grasp on. It's how we were made as God's image bearers. We were made for relationship. We were made to be in community, and it's a part of us. So a question, natural question as well, if deep community and real community is something we all want, if it's part of being made in God's image, why is it sometimes so hard? Why do we sometimes avoid it? Why is it a difficult thing if it's what we were created for? Social psychologist Lillian Rubin writes this. She says, intimacy, okay, that deep level of connection, is an idea that excites our imagination, a word that seems larger than life to most of us. It lures us. It beckons us with a power we're unable to resist. And just because it's so seductive, it frightens us as well. Seeming sometimes to be a mysterious force from outside ourselves that if we let it, could sweep us away. And she then goes on and talks about what she calls the approach avoidance dance. And those words resonate. This idea of we want to be close, but yet we're not sure what it's going to bring, so we back away. We approach and we avoid. And one of the things that we need to understand, the reason for that is because sin separated us not only from God, but from one another. The whole reason for the cross of Jesus Christ was because we were created for a relationship with God. Sin broke that relationship. Sin created a barrier that we couldn't get past. And Jesus Christ came, dealt with the sin issue with his death on the cross, and opened that door to relationship with God that we were intended for. Well, it didn't just open a relationship with God. It dealt with the sin barrier and the sin that breaks us off and separates us from other people. You understand, we're created for a relationship with other people. Sin is what mars those relationships. That's what Jesus came, to break down that barrier between us and God, but also between us and other people. And what I find fascinating about Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, when he came, he modeled community. He modeled community. Now, this is Jesus Christ, okay? Walked on water, raised the dead, Jesus Christ, okay? Lest there be any doubt who we're talking about here. When you stop and think about it, Jesus was able to do whatever he wanted, feed the multitudes. He had miraculous power. He had the power of God coursing through his being. He could have done whatever he wanted. He didn't need us. And yet his first act was to help have this community of people. I mean, stop and think about it. After his baptism and temptation in the wilderness, you know, Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist. The Holy Spirit fills him and takes him into the wilderness 
Jesus begins his public ministry, and the first thing he does is begin to assemble this little community called disciples. Look at this passage of Scripture. Luke 6, 12 through 16, kind of summarizes it and describes it for us. In these days he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. What was he praying about? When he, day came, he called his disciples, and he chose from them twelve whom he named apostles. So there were these people in this orbit who'd kind of heard John talk about him, they'd seen the baptism, and they're kind of interested in Jesus. But from among those people, he picked 12 whom he named apostles. Here they are, Simon, whom he named Peter, Andrew, his brother, James and John, and Philip and Bartholomew and Matthew and Thomas and James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. That's this group that Jesus, his strategy, he had all power. He was able to do whatever he wanted. His strategy is, I'm going to connect with a group of guys and live with them for three years. Jesus didn't need them. Jesus didn't need Peter's advice, although he offered it freely. Remember in Scripture when Peter pulls Jesus aside and kind of starts to rebuke him? Jesus, yeah, you're kind of of being a downer here, this whole crucifixion thing. You remember that? Remember what Jesus did? Jesus looks at Peter... And says, get behind me, Satan. And and I want to suggest to you, he wasn't calling Peter Satan. I'm going to suggest he's looking at Peter, and he's looking at the spirit behind Peter that's, that's prompting this and is doing something in Jesus' heart. And he's recognizing it, identifying it, and calling it out and resisting it. But see, Jesus didn't need Peter's wise counsel. Okay, He didn't need any of it. And yet, he chose to walk and live life with these 12 guys and model community. That was his strategy. I love to stop and think about, you know, when we talk about kind of the the face plant and the palm kind of thing, how many moments like that did Jesus have with these guys going, oh, dear Lord. Oh, dear me. It'll get, it's rippling through the crowd even now. I mean, if you've ever worked, have you ever worked with family, like in a family business, worked with your, your brothers, your sisters, your brother-in-law, and you're just like, oh, God, I can't believe I'm related to these people. How about Jesus? I can't believe I created these people. It, it, he, he intentionally, like, what was Jesus thinking when the guys were on the road? But I didn't know. Like, I'm going to be greatest. No, I'm going to be greatest. I'm going to sit closer to Jesus. I, I, he's just like, oh, for the love of me. And yet, that's what he did. And he lived with them in community for three years. Thirty years Jesus lived and was just a good son, a good family member, learning and growing. He's got three years of public ministry, and he hitches his wagon to these guys. You and I, when we think of the miraculous, powerful Jesus, would say strategically, Jesus, I don't know if that was the most effective use of your time. And yet... Those guys went and turned the world upside down after Jesus left. He spent three years with them. Look at what he said to them. One of the final things he said to them. But they understood this. They said, this is my command that you love one another as I have loved you. And they all understood. Three years. He put up with them. He lived with them. He encouraged them. He rebuked them. They got it. Three years. I want you to to do this. You love one another as I've loved you. Greater love is no one than this. And someone lays down his life for his friends. I told you last week, they would understand within a couple days what that meant. You're my friends if you do what I command you. What was the command? Love one another. 
We want to take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church in this message called Living in Community. It's in the series Better Together, which is available right now on the sermon page at reachingforreallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Donate tab at reachingforreallife.org. And in fact, your gift of any amount will get you the latest book from Pastor Sean Azaro. 302 Books, a division of Salem Media Group, presents A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life, Rediscovering the Gift of the Spirit, authored by Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Growing up in and around Pentecostal churches, I really learned to appreciate the role of the Spirit in the life of the believer. But I also saw what I considered to be imbalance and excess in some of our churches when it came to how we taught about the infilling. Now available at Amazon.com, Sean Azaro shares his most requested teaching and radio broadcast series in a devotional form, encouraging you to embrace the Spirit-filled life. I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the Scripture with fresh eyes and make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the Spirit in our lives. The goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the Spirit. Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life by Sean Azaro today at Amazon or reachingforreallife.org. And now back to the message, Living in Community. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master's doing. But I've called you friends. For all that I've heard from my Father, I've made known to you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. That's how serious Jesus is about community. He wanted them to understand this is the priority. This is the thing. He didn't just send them out on mission. I just want to say this is so important. He brought them into a community. He could have just gotten these individual guys, said, here's salvation, I'm going to provide salvation for you, now go out and tell everybody you know. But he didn't. He brought them into community. And that's really important. He prioritized community over mission, and mission was really important. But community was even more important. And you understand what's going on in his mind when after Jesus has been crucified, he's risen, the disciples aren't sure even what it means. This is Sunday night. They've heard these rumors, there have been sightings. Is it a ghost? Is it Jesus? I don't know what to think. It's scary. And you find John 20, 19, 22, John describes this. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. It's a dangerous time to just watch Jesus. Miraculous, powerful, son of God, Jesus, crucified and die. And they don't know what to think. But what's fascinating, I want you to note, while they're afraid, Afraid and they're behind locked doors. They're together. They got the message. They're together and they're grateful that they had one another because they were facing something that they never imagined. The doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and he said to them, Peace be with you. When he said this, he showed them his hand and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. It's like, now, it's like, it really happened. This is really Jesus. He's not a ghost. He's real. He was resurrected as he said. 
Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, even so I'm sending you. Now he's talking about, and now he's going to begin to talk more heavily about mission. And when he'd said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. I find fascinating how they're together at that moment, and that's exactly what Jesus intended. And understand, they grasped this idea. They understood and value the power of community. And when they took the gospel to the whole world, which they did, they did it in community, and they took this idea of community with them. We need to understand that. They didn't just go out on their own. No, everywhere they went, they went in community, and they created communities. Look how Peter describes it in his epistle. First, first Peter 4, 8 through 11. Peter, who'd walked through this whole thing with Jesus, who was there in that room behind the locked doors, Now he's writing his epistle, and look what he says. Above all, a lot of things he talked about, a lot of important things. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks... As one who speaks oracles of God, whomever serves, as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belongs glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you taught, you modeled, and your disciples took this message of community to the whole world. Help us to hear you as you speak. Help us to grasp this. I pray for any who maybe struggle with this idea. They want meaningful, life-giving community. But Lord, they would have to say they struggle. Walking and living in that. I just ask that today something would change, something would break, and they would trust you and that you would empower each one of us to walk out this gospel of loving one another and help us to live in biblical community. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And he said, above all, keep loving one another. Above all, I think Peter, if he could be with us today right now, he would say, above all, don't miss out on the power of life-giving community. Write that down. It's the main point I want you to grab onto. Above all, don't miss out on the power of life-giving community. See, I learned something very early in ministry. There is something extraordinary. And I've used the phrase, and I know it's not magic, but I've used the phrase, it's almost like magic. The power of healthy, life-giving community. As a youth pastor, I, dis- I discovered this thing. Because parents would drop off a student to the youth ministry who didn't want to be there. Okay? You could tell. Her- their parents had dragged them there. They had to throw them out of the car and lock the car. And they give them to me. And I thank them appropriately. Thank you for this. This is very nice. Because nothing's as fun as a rebellious teenager. It's just great. But they dropped this kid off, and he was mad, didn't want to be there, didn't believe, didn't like anybody. These aren't my friends, but he's got to come because his parents are going to church or because they say he's got to come, and there he is. I watched, and I got to tell you, the thing that made the big breakthroughs wasn't my wonderful teaching. And it was wonderful. It's truly breathtaking. Wasn't even the times of worship, which were significant. It was community. We learned something. We stumbled on something 
that, that just became a staple of our youth ministry. We always went out after youth ministry or on Sundays after church. We hung out with our students. It just became normal to hang out. And I watched those kids who at first were on the outskirts, and all we did, and it wasn't like we were sitting there, and I'm Pastor Sean talking about spiritual stuff. No, we were just hanging out at a restaurant, cracking jokes, talking about whatever sport we're talking about, talking about whatever show we're watching, and just my job was just kind of, facilitating and making sure everybody was involved. Everybody felt good. And the one who's cracking on some other kid, I lovingly crack on him and kind of let him know, dude, that's not what we do. You know, and just try to make sure we're loving each other and having fun together. And I would watch kids begin to just open up. And what's fascinating, that relational connection that happened, I, almost without exception, it opened up the door to the gospel. It opened up. Now, all of a sudden, they weren't mad. They wanted to come to hang out with students, with other students, because, well, they liked it. They wanted friends, and these people cared about them. These people were kind to them. These people were friends. And something opened up, and I watched kid after kid after kid open up to Jesus Christ, open up to the power of God's Spirit. And it was the Holy Spirit the whole time, but He was working in community. He was working in community. And it's powerful. You know, one of the things we talk about, youth camp. Youth camp is a very powerful thing. That's why we do it. That's why we believe in it and encourage you to send your students to youth camp. Kids come away from youth camp, and it's so, so common, it's almost cliche. Well, how was camp? What happened? What, what, what happened? And you ask them to testify. Well, I got closer to God, and I made new friends. It's the same thing. You know, I got closer to God, and I made new friends. And it's like, okay, anybody got anything different? Stop. Think about that. I got closer to God, made new friends. What were the two most important things Jesus said? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Dude, that's a good camp. That's a good camp. That's a success. If they got closer to God and they opened up to him and they worshiped him and they listened to him and they experienced something in relationship with their father and they met some other believing young people and they grew in those relationships, that's a good camp. The two most important things. Check, check. There we are. And you're like, well, I'm sure that's great in youth camp and all. Dude, stop. Okay, I know you're older, and you're, you know, you've got it all together now. All you are is a bunch of little bit older kids, all right? I mean, we do. We, we, you know, we, we've got our stuff. We've got our responsibilities and stuff. But we're just a little bit older teenagers because we all want to be loved. We all want those kind of meaningful relationships. We all want people we can be embraced and just accepted. And there is something powerful and transformative in healthy community. I am a sold-out believer in the power of biblical community. Don't miss out. Don't miss out on the power of life-giving community. I think every believer should commit to relationships. Let's talk about attendance, relationships with a community of other believers because I think there are some essential benefits of life-giving community. Here they are real quickly. First, in community we love each other. In community we love each other. That's where it starts. We're made for love, Jesus said, most important thing, love God with everything you got, love your neighbor as yourself. We are made for this. It is the bottom line. And in community, in life-giving community, we love each other. And remember how we define love. Unconditional commitment to an imperfect person. Unconditional commitment, imperfect person. Say that with me. Unconditional commitment, imperfect person. Good. Because it's like, I want to be unconditionally committed to perfect people like me. Really, and, and it happens all the time. It's like as long as someone is, is making me happy and they're not offending me, they're not stepping on my toes, man, I'm, I'm loving them. Mm, it's so good. But the minute 
They say something stupid, they do something stupid, they misread me, they say something I don't like. It's like, oh, I'm out, I'm going to go find another place with perfect people like me, which is ridiculous. There are no perfect people. Love is a choice. It's not a feeling. Oh, I feel this love. Yes, there is, technically there's this feeling of love. That's great. But it stems from what is first a choice, love. It's a make love a verb is the idea. Make love a verb, to love someone. It is to choose and to make an unconditional commitment to an imperfect person. And folks, I mean, you just need to know how critical that is because many people walk through their whole lives and never understand that. Never understand that that's how it has to be. And I love it. People come to River City. Oh, it's such a loving church. And God, it's so beautiful. For about two weeks, we're the perfect church. It's so awesome. The innocence, the, sh- the glow. They found the perfect church. And it's us. That's the person I almost, I told you before, I almost want to go and just offend them early. Okay? Just say something really dumb and offensive on the front end. Get it out of the way because it's going to happen. It's a bunch of people. It's a bunch of people, and we're all imperfect. We're all sinners, saved by grace, sinners in need of a Savior. And so that's the bottom line. This, in community, we love one another. We are created for it. We know we need it. A place where I can love and I can be loved. That's what life-giving community at its core is about. And it is a reflection of our Heavenly Father, who the Scripture says God is what? Love. He is love. Community is we are, we are that reflection. We are mirroring his love that he's poured out towards us to one another. And it is powerful. It is transformative. In community, we love each other. That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message in the series, Better Together, it's available right now on demand at reachingforreallife.org. And we'd also love to hear from you on our contact page. Or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find the Donate tab at reachingforreallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. This Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life.